When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we're all realizing that the quality of our air, and particularly the quality of our indoor air, is really darn important. I'm so excited to tell you about Puro Air because in 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called a HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. I keep my Puro Air running upstairs where the bedrooms are all night. I love that it's quiet. Cleaner air just hits different, doesn't it? Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, getpuroair.com. Well, hello and welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian and you're listening to another Headlines episode here on the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast. Now, if you've been a Headlines listener for a while, you already know what Headlines are. But if you're new around here and a bunch of new listeners have reached out recently. So if you're new around here, just a quick explanation of what Headlines are. Headlines are the need to know latest and greatest environmental leaning headlines that I hope to give you in about 15 minutes, definitely under 20 minutes. And the reason I started Friday Headlines is because about a year ago, it was the slap heard around the world. Will Smith slapped Chris Rock. And oh my goodness, my social media, my favorite news organizations, they covered the heck out of the slap heard around the world. And I thought to myself, I mean, yeah, sure, this is entertaining. But what important headlines are we all missing because we're too busy reading about Chris Rock and Will Smith? That's why Headlines was born. It was born to amplify the environmental stories that we all need to know so that we can live healthier, happier, more informed lives. So in the first part of today's show, I have two stories about food and specifically meat and plant-based meat, greenwashing in the meat industry. That's part one. And then after our ad break, we have two completely unrelated but very entertaining stories. So stay tuned for those. Let's get into our first story today, which is all about animal fat coming to our plant-based meat. I know. Doesn't that sound like an oxymoron? It is an oxymoron. The plant-based market has been cooling since the pandemic. In the late 2010s, Plant-based meats looked poised to take over the world. I'm thinking Impossible Burgers. I'm thinking Beyond Meat. Beyond Meat in particular saw its stock rise to over $200 a share in 2019. But then came the pandemic and the market slumped. And it's never really picked back up. Food analysts say that the fact that it hasn't picked back up is due to the fact that plant-based meats aren't yet good enough. They're not up to par. They're not as good as real meat. And even though eating meat, meat eating, being a carnivore, accounts for approximately 15% of global greenhouse emissions, that's a big chunk, y'all. Even though that's true, most consumers are not making food choices based on sustainability. They're making Food choices based on number one, cost, and number two, flavor. Sustainability is way down the line for the majority of food buyers. 
Well, the solution for some companies these days is to incorporate some animal fat, which, by the way, is the most flavorful component of a food, uh, into their plant-based item. Fat is known to coat the tongue, and when your tongue is coated, apparently flavors linger longer. Fat also helps carry scents, which is so important to our tasting experience. Now, I want to say that hybrid protein products have been around for a while. Purdue is one brand. It's experimenting with offering proteins that are mostly meat but have a little bit of vegetable protein in there. They're called Chicken Plus. (laughs) Interesting. Chicken Plus. But new companies are now popping up. Startups are flipping the process on its head. They're building products that are majority plant-based, like 90% plant-based, and then they have 10% animal fat blended in for taste. Some companies are indeed growing this animal fat in laboratories so no animals are harmed. But others are pulling animal byproducts from traditional meat production. Then they're blending it with their plant ingredients to create new foods. Proponents of this new industry, I don't even know what to call it, plant-based with animal fat. I don't know. (laughs) What do you call this? But proponents believe that this is a new and tasty way to propel plant-based meats towards the masses. So the percentage of U.S. consumers who identify as vegetarian or vegan, that percentage has remained relatively stable over the years. It's just under 10% of the population, so 1 in 10, let's say. What's interesting to me is that these startups, they're not targeting the vegetarians and the vegans or even the wannabe vegetarians or vegans. They're interested in targeting that subset of consumers who like meat are eating meat, but want to be a little bit more sustainable. So do what you will with that information as we move on to our next story, which also is all about meat and food. Some meat companies are trying to persuade consumers that if they just eat the right type of meat, they will be curbing climate change. They will be doing their part. Now, I do not have hop-dotty burger bars where I live, but perhaps you have a hop-dotty burger bar near you. And if you do, go check out their menu. Their menu advertises, you know, the usual, the gluten-free options, the vegan options, but they also have something super unusual on their menu, and it is beef that purports to, quote, save the planet one bite at a time. Yes, that is a direct quote from the menu. Tyson Foods, too. We all know Tyson. Tyson launched a line called Brazen Beef. Brazen Beef is steaks and other cuts of meats that are marketed as, quote, climate-friendly. Yes, it says climate-friendly on the package of Brazen Beef. Environmentally friendly, climate-friendly, saving the planet one bite at a time, meat, a hamburger that saves the planet. Come on. My spidey sense is going off, and yours should be too. Let's just talk about Tyson for one minute. They're the ones with the brazen, climate-friendly beef. Tyson has said its cattle emissions for brazen beef are 10% below the meat industry's average. Okay, so there is some emission savings there. And by the way, where did they get that 10% lower number? Well, it comes from an accounting auditor that 
Tyson hired. But anyway, let's table that for a minute. And I would love it if you compared that 10% lower emissions for that beef item with the 89% fewer emissions that an Impossible Burger offers. So you could eat braised beef from Tyson and save 10% emissions from the usual, or you could eat an Impossible Burger with 89, almost 90% fewer emissions than a traditional burger. So not all alternative options are created equal, are they? It's not climate-friendly or not climate-friendly. There's climate-friendlier. There's climate-friendly-ist. And so not surprisingly, environmental organizations have objected to that Tyson label of climate-friendly beef. In a petition to the U.S. Agriculture Department, environmental organizations did argue that the amount of emissions that Tyson's reduced is minuscule. It's minuscule. 10%? That doesn't, in my opinion, that hardly makes it climate friendly. But anyway, guess what? The USDA did approve brazen beef and did approve its climate friendly claim. Now, the big mega corporations, the conglomerates, McDonald's, Tyson again, Nestle, they have vowed to wipe out their carbon footprints, but they've vowed that without giving any real indication about how they intend to substantially shrink the sales of their burgers and steaks and dairy, all these climate emissions generating foods. Now, again, these mega corporations claim they can neutralize the impact of cows by changing the cow's diets, by changing how they handle manure, by transitioning to better farming and grazing practices, especially ones that capture carbon. Yes, yes, and yes. However, eating a hamburger, and you already know this to be true because you are an educated and informed Citizen, you already know that eating a hamburger is always the worst choice for climate emissions. It doesn't matter if it's a hop dotty burger. It doesn't matter if it's a piece of brazen beef from Tyson. And so this really comes down to more greenwashing in the food industry. However, what's shocking to me and the reason I wanted to cover this story today is that our USDA, our regulators, are really just standing by while these megacorporations are making big, misleading climate claims. There's no such thing as a climate-friendly hamburger. There just isn't. And so what's the bottom line here? While, yes, these companies do deserve credit for promoting farming methods that create fewer emissions, yes, that's true, These mega corporations are giving us consumers the impression that their burgers are harmless. The science says otherwise. So we are going to go ahead and take our really long ad break. And then when we come back, I have two more stories for you. They are entertainment based. So buckle up. And yes, I'm mentioning Taylor Swift's Jet. I'll see you in a minute. Hello, Sustainable Minimalist listeners. Are you committed to living a greener and simpler life? Well, meet Home Threads, your ally in more sustainable and minimalist home decor. As the total destination for decor and furniture, Home Threads helps you define your minimalist lifestyle while respecting the planet. Discover their exclusive Haven collection 
They use many sustainable materials without compromising on style. And here's the best part. Home Threads always has the best value. It was time. After nine years of living in our home, it was time to replace our outdoor furniture. And my husband and I, we went to Home Threads. We have a Home Threads patio umbrella and a new bench. And oh my goodness, we are so in love. Create a home that reflects your commitment to the environment. Visit homethreads.com slash sustainable and get a code for 15% off your first order. Homethreads.com slash sustainable. Love where you live. So many of us have chaotic closets that are crammed full of clothing items and yet somehow we still have nothing to wear. Well, upgrading to high quality and affordable pieces from Quince when you need them is a game changer. They offer organic cotton sweaters and washable silk tops. My 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters are my go-to. Not only are they affordable, but the quality is top-notch They wear better than the cashmere sweaters that are double their price. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash sustainable podcast for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash sustainable podcast to get free shipping and 365 day returns. One more time, quince.com slash sustainable podcast. And we're back. Before the break, we discussed animal fat in your plant-based proteins. I know, so strange. And we also talked about more greenwashing in the meat industry. Now we're moving on and we are talking about the legal woes of two conservative bloggers. (laughs) Before we talk about those two conservative bloggers, I want to first introduce you to Michael Mann. Michael Mann is a famous climatologist. He's a climate scientist who spent decades of his life studying tree ring and ice core data. It was painstaking work, and he pieced together whether human actions are indeed warming the planet. Now, at first, when Michael Mann was a graduate student at Yale, he was unsure whether humans' influence on the climate could be detected at all. He thought that perhaps natural variations did obscure the impacts of human-caused climate change. Well, his decades of work led him to create the now infamous hockey stick chart. And you've seen the hockey stick chart. You know what a hockey stick looks like, right? So emissions levels, they stayed stable for a while, and then they rose exponentially. So now we're on the handle of the hockey stick. Emissions in the atmosphere after the Industrial Revolution shot up like the stick part of a hockey stick. The hockey stick chart is now known to be the reconstruction of global temperature over hundreds of years. That was Michael Mann's creation. Now, let me bring you to 2012. In 2012, two conservative bloggers falsely accused Michael Mann of academic fraud. Michael Mann in 2012 was a professor at Penn State. 2012 was around the Jerry Sandusky issues. And these two conservative bloggers likened Michael Mann to Sandusky by accusing him of, quote, 
molesting data. I know. Did they go too far there? Maybe. Since coming under attack from these two conservative bloggers, Mann has been called a charlatan, a fraud, and much worse. He's had his emails hacked. He's received death threats. There have been demands for his firing. He's been inundated with hate mail. He even received a powder-filled letter. And yes, the powder in the letter did end up being cornstarch, but at the time, he wasn't sure. He thought it was anthrax. So Michael Mann says that the writings of these conservative bloggers have caused him emotional distress. And so now, in 2024, 12 years later, Michael Mann is finally getting his day in court, and he is accusing these right-wing bloggers of defamation. This is a high-profile case happening right now as we speak, so keep your eyes and ears out because the verdict could have big implications on free speech. It could also have big implications with regard to how scientists communicate to the public. So there is this real sense in the scientific community that attacks on scientists and particularly on climatologists have gotten out of control. So somebody, anybody, right, you have the right to say that gravity isn't real. You have a right to say that for sure. But you would be crossing a line if you decided to personally slander somebody else for sharing the fact that they believe in gravity. That's where the line is now being crossed more and more often in our deeply divided nation. So perhaps Michael Mann is the first in a new generation of science crusaders. Climatologists say that they have been ignored by policymakers, and that is why many of them are resorting to protests and other radical acts to get our government to take notice and finally, once and for all, do drastic things to cut greenhouse gas emissions. Now, you might be wondering, well, what do the bloggers have to say? The lawyers for the bloggers argue that, yes, their clients did post articles that had an awful lot of colorful language in them. However, the lawyers say that their clients are protected under the First Amendment. So stay tuned for the verdict. It'll be out soon, and you can best believe I will be reporting on it here on Headlines when it comes out. Now, finally, before we say goodbye, we've got the Super Bowl this weekend. We've got Taylor Swift and her jet. We all know who Taylor Swift is, right? She's Time Magazine's 2023 Person of the Year. She just made history last weekend because she is now the only musician to win four Grammy Awards for Album of the Year. She is gifted with unlimited and largely positive press each and every day. Her travel plans have indeed caused increased attention in recent weeks as she's flying all over to get home for her boyfriend's football games. And the Super Bowl is looking to be no different. Taylor has a concert in Tokyo on February 10th, and her boyfriend, Travis Kelsey, is playing in the Super Bowl in Las Vegas on February 11th with her private jet. Taylor is likely to be able to get across the world in time for the game. Yes, the planet is literally her playground. (laughs) Well, no surprise, this jet and any private jet comes with steep carbon dioxide emissions. 
private jet flights are routinely criticized, and not just Taylor's jet. I'm talking about everybody with a private jet. Private jets, they have disproportionately high impacts on climate change. And in 2022, by the way, so yeah, I'm picking on everybody, but in 2022, it was estimated that Taylor Swift was the biggest celebrity carbon dioxide polluter of the year. Between January and July of 2022, Taylor Swift's jet took 170 flights, that is 22,923 minutes in the air, that's 15.9 days, by the way. She wasn't touring that year, so she took an awful lot of flights, but not to get to work. (laughs) And the average flight time was only 80 minutes. Her shortest flight during the first half of July 22 was 36 minutes. That's from Missouri to Nashville. And this short flight, by the way, so a flight that one could argue could have been a car trip or a train trip or some sort of public transportation, it released two tons of carbon dioxide emissions and took 151 gallons of fuel. Now, according to a statement from Taylor's publicist to the Associated Press, the publicist said, quote, Taylor purchased more than double the carbon credits needed to offset all tour travel, end quote, before her tour began this year. However, no further details about where, how, when, how much carbon credit actually happened, who got it. No further details were ever provided. So I will leave you with that as I wish you a happy weekend. If you're watching the Super Bowl, enjoy. I will not be watching because I don't care. We will be back on Tuesday. Reach out if you need me and take care.